Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, an artist. This week we're talking about the Velvet Underground. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dex. Jared. This is Ty. And once again, this week we are talking about the Velvet Underground. And how did we feel about listening to the Velvet Underground this week? Was it good? Was it not good? What do you think? They were interesting. Um, they were experimental on two albums that I thought was super weird. I could hear a little bit of some swans in there. Uh, but the other stuff... Uh, like the more classic Rocky kind of sound of the third album loaded, which I will say is my favorite album. Fourth. Fourth, Fourth album. album. Yeah. Um, it was the, okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I was trying to say it was the third, third one I listened to, but that wouldn't really help my cause. No. Um, yeah, I just kind of skipped it. I liked album. that a lot. It reminded me of some of the early Who and also a little bit of like the Beach Boys or the Monkees-esque, yeah. Yeah. just like the that sound. But I enjoy, I liked it a lot more than kind of what I was expecting. Well, the first track on Loaded, not to jump too far ahead, Who Loves the Sun sounds mm-hmm. like a zombie song. Yeah, yeah, that's fair too. Yes, yeah, I'm trying to think of like around that time period, you yeah. know, stuff like that. But yeah, I, zombies I hear. Yeah. But yeah, that album was the one I enjoyed the most. Um but it's he has an interesting voice, Mr. Lou Reed. Yes, he does. Yeah. So sounds much better in the Velvet Underground than it does when you're playing Metallica music. Yes, yeah, it does. Of course does. he was old. Yeah. I like uh his some of his solo stuff. Take a walk on the wild side is a good song. That but whole album we're talking about uh, the Velvet Underground today. And I thought it was okay. I thought it was it was better than I expected. That's what I'll say. I liked most of it. Yeah, Velvet Underground didn't end on a particularly strong note. But we'll get there. Up until that point, uh, I would say I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I liked it. Velvet Underground's good. Mm. I like the earlier stuff more. I don't dislike. Uh, Loaded still a really great album. Uh. We'll t- we will talk about it later, but the ending is illegitimate. I'll start there. Illegitimate is a good yep. way to it's describe illegitimate. it. It's illegitimate. So, uh, and then will we know that? Well, we'll get into the the uh, the influence. Who you know, which members influence what certain types of things. But Lou Reed is is perhaps the uh, longest standing influential member across four of the five albums. Sure. And uh, his solo career brought in many things that he began in. Velvet Underground and and stretched out a bit. Then we will talk a little bit about him because we listened to Transformer. I threw a couple in there for you guys in case you wanted to listen to some of it. One of them is the live album that has Velvet Underground covers, like Lou Reed doing Velvet Underground covers, and that's that was actually a pretty prominent album and performance in his career. So we'll discuss a little bit of that as well, I believe. I would say because like Lou Reed, since you're talking about him, um, obviously one of the major parts of his influence on the Velvet Underground was the lyrical content. Yes as the vocalist and the one writing the songs, their lyrical content is pretty boundary pushing. Mm -hmm. I would say for the time that it was coming out, Um, they talk a lot about, I mean the, the kind of general rock and roll sex, drugs, rock and roll topics, I guess. Yeah. But in different, they go in a totally different way. Yeah. And from a different viewpoint. Yeah. 
Uh, like the song Heroin, which I, I'll go ahead and say Heroin is my favorite Velvet Underground song. Ooh, right away. Yeah, we got it out. It's we'll a great song. Out of the out of the gate. Um, is a, obviously about, you know, heroin. Um, and it's not like a it's not like a rock and roll song. It's just a a really, really sad mm-hmm. per, like a very sad way to discuss something like heroin well that they talk about drugs they talk about like the reality yes. of drugs like the other one on that's on the debut yes Velvet underground and nico the other one is the second track i'm waiting for the man it's about going to buy drugs right like it's about the act of physically going and waiting on the corner for this person to come to sell drugs to you like it's very it's kind of uh state of consciousness like reality like this is what it's actually like to be someone who does drugs not right all the glitz and glory of like drug use and all of these you know what i mean it's just about the real life experiences well i mean the thing is is that like because again the the velvet underground and nico album came out in 67 it's not like there was a lot of music that was glorifying drug use because really no one was singing about it at all to begin with like and I mean, it makes sense that they at the time didn't really make a lot of waves, which we'll get into a little bit more. Before we do, let's go ahead and play heroin. do a good job of like in the music capturing the feeling too because that's kind of just like trance like daisy kind of like you know what i mean yeah and and it kind of catches kind of a the essence of the song as well but um you know again like i was saying is that there weren't really people talking about drug use at that point in time i mean the beatles were touching on it by 67 Mm -hmm. for sure um, but they were a little bit more abstract about it, I would say. So listeners aren't kind of sitting around thinking like, oh yeah, this is for sure about an acid well, trip. There's a lot of room for people to make, to interpret a little bit more in yeah. Beatles songs, which we know like Lucy in the Sky, like, oh, this is LSD. you know what I mean? Right. Like you can, you can put that on them. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of like whimsical mm-hmm. lyrics, whereas the Velvet Underground are kind of like, yeah, this is happening. We're, we're talking about it. Right. right. Now. Like, I mean the, the perfect example of that. Uh, in my opinion, is the song Sister Ray, mm-hmm. which is a 17 minute and 30 second long song in which he says multiple times she was sucking on my ding dong. Ding dong. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. That was great. Hell yeah, sucking on my ding dong. Yeah. Um, Jared? That's a long song. <laughs> that, that you song, mean it wasn't easily broken up for you by the it, ding dong sucking? It, I Once that came in, I thought it was kind of fun, little bitty. Uh, Sister Ray. 
Uh, but also, uh, the murder mystery was very long. Bizarre. Yeah. Yes, it is. Super weird. If you look at the lyrics, it says, like, left left voice, right voice. And that, you know, that's just going to trick you up. Mm-hmm. Trip you up real good when you listen to a song like that. The only thing I wish about, like, obviously that tells a story. And I wish that I could have understood the story better. But it was, like, so, like, uh, just hard to decipher. So it made it a little bit more difficult. On Murder to, Mystery? All, yeah, on Murder Mystery, the song from... Yeah, um, the Velvet Underground self-titled album. Yes. So, yeah. They do that in some. Uh, another one that does that is The Gift from White Light, White Heat, where it's just a kind of a bit of a... The Gift is weird. I love that. I, I'll, let me go ahead and say, it's not my. I'm not going to say it's my favorite song, but that's my favorite Velvet Underground album. Is it White Light, yeah. White Heat? it is. And it's the first... Where I, my introduction outside of like Sunday Morning or Sweet Jane, yeah, in terms of like listening to a whole album was that album I had read where someone was like, "Oh yeah, Velvet Underground, everyone knows Old Underground and Nico, a lot of people know Loaded, but there's the Banana album, yeah, but their second album gets, uh, and it really does, it gets a lot of times uh, left behind and people don't talk about it very much, and but it's actually really good and people should listen to it more. So I said okay, and I and it was at the record store, so I bought it. It's the first full Velvet Underground album I listened to, and uh, and I really like it. It's wild, and I mean, like the fact that White Light White Heat came out in '68 mm-hmm. makes no sense I know. to me at all. It's noisy. It's, yeah, it's noisy. I'm. I, it's like completely, completely forward thinking in yep. terms of noise rock. Yep, it's noisy, and it's and there's so much fuzz, and there's some layering, and there's like lots of. It's cool. I like it a lot. I dig that album. A lot of sampling, like again, like you're talking about the gift, like mm-hmm. obviously uses like vocal sampling. Um, well, that's I believe, and I didn't look it up, but I believe that's John Cale telling that whole story. Is it? Yeah, he's from the UK. Okay, I believe that's him doing the lyrical con, the quote unquote lyrical content of it. I think. Okay. I don't know. I I should have looked up. I actually should have looked up because that's I do find that pretty interesting. And I just forgot about looking that up to see where that story came from, or if they just wrote it and he read it. Right. So. But yeah, it's and I guess this is probably a decent time to say John Cale was on was in the Velvet Underground for those first two albums. And it's a very apparent in the guitar playing. Yeah, because that kind of no, even the first album has more noisy fuzz, kind of like weird stuff going on. Sure. That once he leaves from the self-titled and on is not there. It's just absent and it becomes more. Sticks a little closer to certain rock elements. Yeah, I mean, like if you listen to the the second self-titled album, um, that one obviously is very rooted in like folk music, and I mean, the murder mystery is obviously the most experimental avant-garde, if you will, song on the album. But for the most part, it's a very like toned down subdued album especially compared to the album that came before it right and then loaded of course is riddled in what is going to be 90 or 1970s rock music yes it is Uh, i mean that it's kind of crazy to think about how forward thinking each of their Mm -hmm. albums kind of is but in different ways but obviously loaded is also influenced by the 60s music that came before it just obviously pushing it in a different direction. But like you said, yeah, the the sound of Loaded and Velvet Underground, you know, two, I guess, um, not the Banana album. That's Velvet uh, Underground and Nico. Right. So we can, it's technically not a full, it's like a self-title, but not, right? She was there singing, I guess. She was She's singing. only on three three tracks on the lead vocals. Yeah. Track three, 
track six, track nine. Hey. Oh. So it's not. Uh, it's odd that they called it that when she. You know how she done? She fell off her bicycle. Oh, that's, oh she boy. what? In Ibiza. Really. Forty nine years old. She wow. she left her her villa to go buy some marijuana. It said nice. And uh, the, da- the dangers she, of drugs. She, yeah. She rode her bike and uh, fell, and it took a taxi cab driver, uh, found her laying there, and it was difficult for her him to get her into a hospital, I guess, and they diagnosed her with uh, heat, too much heat, heat exposure. No exhaustion. And that was not a correct diagnosis because she had a brain hemorrhage due to yeah, falling yeah, off I her bicycle, she did. Oh and my she gosh. died at 49. Wow. That's interesting. Rest in peace, Nico. Agreed. Well, uh, you know, Doug Yule replaced Tom, uh, John Cale, by the way. And thank God he did. I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> I like both. I like both periods, even though I prefer the earlier period. So I'm not. I can't say one or the other. But he did more prominent. He wrote prominently on those two albums we spoke about. John Cale, by the way, uh, did production work as well as part of his career. And he produced the Stooges' debut, which, well, he mixed it. And uh, okay. they took it to the label, and the label said, this is too noisy. So they actually, Iggy had to go in with another producer and remix the entire album. Huh. So, But, of course, I have, thanks to a certain vinyl record club that I will not mention, and you can figure it out on your own, have the John Cale mix on vinyl. It's pretty sick. But, yeah, that uh, that's most prominent for him. This is all that noise of the early work. Nico. So on, on the Nico album... Um, obviously that album at the time did not make a lot of waves. Uh, you know, the Velvet Underground were kind of the underground scene of music in terms of that time period and kind of, uh, Andy Warhol, of course, famously was the producer, really just the, yeah, the manager and producer, but really on that album, just kind of, you know, put his money into the right. album to make it happen. Well, they were his house band yeah. for a long time, too. Right. So he kind of had a connection with them to be able to want to see them do something. Right. Um, but that, you know, that group obviously was kind of within the art realm, the the avant-garde, the, you know, the underground scene. And it's interesting that they are lauded as one of the most important bands really of all time now. Because of the fact that it took so long for people to kind of pick up on what they were doing. Because, again, they were so forward-thinking and were able to do things in their albums that were not being done in the 60s or the 70s. And um, it took a while for people to notice that what they were doing influenced things. Really, I think I, I think it was a, a Brian Eno quote that I saw where it said something to the extent of uh, there were only like maybe like 30 or like there weren't a lot of copies of the album sold the, the, the Velvet Ground and, and Nico album. But Brian Eno said anybody who did buy that album made music. The people who made music, the people who were interested in making music were the ones listening to the Velvet Underground and Nico. So it might have not blown up commercially, but it, it was listened to by the people who were going to be making music for the next few decades. So, but I do think uh, the the lyrical content has something to do with that too. I don't think that people in that time period would be pining for something that's talking about drugs and sex so openly. So, some thoughts there. That it's I true. Have. 
That's a, that's a good point. Good point you bring there. You know that album also on the cover? It's got the banana. Mm-hmm. It does have the it banana. Says, it says peel here. It's got yeah. a peely cover. You peel it. What what happens when you peel the banana off? It's pink fruit underneath there. There's another banana. It's a pink. Oh, it's a, it's a pink banana. Here's a. It goes from yellow banana to pink banana. To pink banana. It's it's it's. it's phallic. One banana, two banana, three banana, four. Supposedly, if you can find an original pressing that sells the banana, that's quite a valuable thing, right there. Yeah, I mean that would. I own this album, and even the represses still have the banana peel. You still peel it. I didn't peel my. Oh, is it still peeling? Yeah, you still peel it. Nice. Yeah. I like that the repressing has the peel. Mm-hmm. I figured that it would just be kind of printed on. That's very important. But nope, you can still peel it. It is important. It's art. Have... It's back when people made album co- album covers that were that were art. They had something they wanted to say yeah. with their music, and it's interactive. So. Yeah. What did um, Jared? I'm going to ask you. You you said you got some swans feelings off of White Light White Heat. How mm-hmm. how much did you hate White Light White Heat? Um. I didn't really think of it that much, honestly. Uh, Here She Comes Now was an okay song, but it just, I don't know. I, I listened to it. I was driving, and I looked down, and I saw Sister Ray, and I thought that I had read it said uh, seven minutes long, but then I looked down again, and it was past the time that I thought. It was right around seven, and I was like, well, this still has uh, about ten minutes to go. That's interesting. Yeah. And it was it changed a little bit in it at least, so that made it good. But it's hard to to kind of know what is happening in an album when you're listening to it when you drive, especially sure. when certain state has made it where you cannot touch your phone. Thanks a lot, state. It's that state, oh that state. Ooh, but, I hate that state. So it makes it a little it's bit a more difficult place. to listen to music uh, hands free, which I don't have a little thing that you put on your dash. Uh, I need to get one of those things you put on your dash to make sure it tells you if the police are near you too. But but um yeah, I don't know. It's an okay album. I I was more excited for I mean I once I got to um Loaded. Loaded, I enjoyed it more. The first album I liked. I liked the first album. I sure. thought it was pretty interesting. I liked Nico in incorporated. I liked the yeah. the, the music. It's interesting that a band would be relatively normal, have two experimental albums, and then go back to normal, and then have uh, what we have with the last album, which is not, just not, not. I didn't, see, the thing is, I was listening to it, I didn't think it was that bad, but then Caleb told me it was bad, and then it made me change my mind about it. I wish yeah. he wouldn't have said anything <laughs> Sorry. at all. Because then I would have come into it not knowing all of you thought it was bad. I would have literally just been like, oh, it was okay. I didn't, I mean, he's, his voice changed because I probably wouldn't have known. You wouldn't even notice that it was. Uh, I didn't know, but the time you told me and I was like track three or four. Yeah. No Lou Reed. No Lou Reed at all. Well, no, nobody, no, 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 no one from the original band. Let's, other let's than, talk about Squeeze. Let's talk about right, Squeeze. Let's talk about, finally. Let's talk about Squeeze. Oh, finally. It's not bad is the thing. It's just nothing. It's literally nothing. It is almost worse <sighs> than bad because there's so little to say about nothing what's weird about it is is that it's the only person left is doug yule yes who did write prominently on the second self-titled as we're calling it now yeah and and loaded in his writing was okay i mean it was okay it was okay it was fine Mm -hmm. but here it just doesn't do there's nothing here though is there ice in that cup? Yes. yes there is. I told him. <laughs> I told him to be careful when drinking out of it like that. I was careful. <laughs> Go ahead. There's, there's just nothing. There's nothing. He, it doesn't. There's. It's fully generic. It's almost wordless. Yeah, that's sure. a track on there. 
It's it. I find it to just be totally generic. I think it's boring. It's One, really boring. It's so boring. One thing I found interesting is he has a lot of names in this album. So it starts out Little Jack, then we have Caroline, Dopey Joe, Dopey Joe, Jack and Jane, and then the final track Louise. Also within there is a uh, uh, mean old man. Yeah, who that is potentially his name. He could be named Mean Old But, man. like, half the album is just names of people. And so he just repeats, Caroline, Caroline. And then he just repeats, Louise. Yep. Dax, do you I, want to really quickly talk about Louise? Yeah. Uh, let me see which one that was. Actually, just play it. That, that That's good enough. That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a lot of things. It's a six, five, four, three, or whatever 25. progression. Uh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the chord progressions. I see. I thought you were saying the name of the song, and I was like, I'm confused, but go ahead. But I think probably most famously, Chicago's 25. What? 25 or 6 to 8, 4. I said a lot of numbers. That's why I was th- thinking that you said the numbers wrong. Uh, thank you. Go ahead and play that. the same progression all songs are the same song but on this train play crash from that same album who's that coming round the bend one wheel in the air helmet goggles gloves and boots flies from here to there speeding everywhere that's enough uh, wait a minute did he write that song about nico oh my goodness oh good lord all right, play Maxwell's Silver Hammer by the Beatles. Joan was quizzical, studied metaphysical science in the home. Late nights all It's basically the same thing. It's pretty close, except that the Beatles learned uh, not to do stupid things with stereo field. That's, well, mm. yeah. Mm, Doug Ewell. But that, that whole album is basically... I was wondering when you were going to do that. I've been waiting for that since yesterday. I was like... Jared's gonna do the Yule thing, and I'm not sure when, but he's gonna. He found the ample time. (laughs) Opportune moment. Almost every song on Squeezed is just another song, but worse. Yeah. And I've described it like this many times to Caleb, and I'm gonna keep saying it because that's all I can think of. Uh, It's like you have a classic rock station playing, but in another room, so you're not really paying attention to it. (laughs) That's a good, that's pretty. That's nice. That's the whole album. That's nice. I think I don't understand is there's a couple things I don't understand. One, how do you, being a non-founding member of a band, and now being the only member left to perform? But I, let's, I'll preface this with saying that drummer Marine Tucker was supposed to perform on this album and yeah. and, and did not. So she, so it's you have no one but Doug Ewell. Yeah. How do you now have control to be able to make an album under the name of that band? It is wild that they would say like, yeah, we can let that. I mean, honestly, it was clearly them wanting for the wanting sales. Sure. And they knew. But which is weird because it's not like the Velvet Underground were bringing in a lot of sales. Right. They weren't like they weren't raking well, a lot of in people, money. The main you by this point, Lou Reed has already started his solo career. Transformer came out. It, the same year, 73, is that correct? I think so, I believe yes. Transformer came out in 73 as well. Uh, so he's already... 72. 72. So 72. that's got time to do its thing. 
And I, so there's no, I wouldn't say there'd be any issue. I would not say that he would be like, yeah, definitely you can just make the album. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? For that purposes. So I don't know. I don't even know how you have the ability to do it. Then how do you continue and say, okay, and now I've got the go ahead to use this name because I'm an idiot and make an album that sounds nothing like the band you're claiming to be. Here's the thing though. I will give it is that when it comes down to it, what album from the Velvet Underground sounds like? another velvet underground it's not about that it's about sounding like the velvet underground they have a what does the velvet underground sound like well in the doug yule era it's it's it floats closer to what we think of of 70s rock but you have chord progressions that are a little more interesting that kind of go somewhere that that you maybe weren't thinking about you have lyrical delivery and and the and uh, melody because of Lou Reed that don't always really fit over. They don't go along with the music. They kind of do their own thing to a degree. And you have a juxtaposition of those things along with a couple of little different things thrown in that make sense. And then you say, okay, this, cause they do. You, I don't think that you can't draw parallels between Velvet Underground and Nico and Unload and, and Loaded, even though that they're the first album and technically really the last album. They're, because those two both have certain pop elements that play their way in and in, in way in ways that make sense. Sure. That makes so sense. So I think there's, I really think that there is a fairly definitive sound for velvet underground, but this album has none of it. No, no, no. especially it, it's, it's particularly lacking lyrically on the, the lyrical delivery, not even just because it's not Lou Reed's voice. He just totally missed the boat period. Oh, for sure. There's, yeah, there's no, nothing interesting about no, the lyrics. And there's all. nothing velvet undergroundy about the lyrical delivery at all. Period. It just doesn't. I don't even know. It's junk. I'll say it. It's just garbage. It's not good. Not it's good. a. It has. It holds near zero value, and I really don't think it should be considered part of their discography. I'm. I mean, really, we could have skipped it, but I'm glad that we didn't skip it. Oh yeah. For the concept of understanding how wild it is, honestly. Um, but I will say, like you know, loaded in a lot of ways, obviously, was less experimental as well. Yes. And loaded, you know, honestly, not that they're close in at at all in terms of like lower quality. Um, but loaded really is their worst album for me personally, um, of their real discography. And honestly, I would say that Lou Reed probably feels the same because that's kind of why Lou Reed left is because of loaded. Like the the, the basically the label that they were on was like, let's maybe get some hits for once. Maybe we can actually have any kind of money come out of your music. And that's why they named the album loaded is because it was supposedly going to be loaded with hits. And Lou Reed did not like the creative direction that they were going in for that album. He didn't really want to do the or lack thereof. Sound. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, he wasn't really interested in the way that the the direction of it was going or the way that the the process of making the album was and so that was why he you know left the group uh again i don't want to say that the album um was bad in any way shape or form comparatively but it's really not great in my perspective i mean it it's very again forward thinking it has a lot of the sounds of um 70s rock that yeah no that, that that were going to be coming later but for me i don't really love that sound to begin with i don't find that sound to be super compelling it's kind of dated well 
in in ways, yes. Um, but I, I can't deny that the album was looking forward and even looking forward much closer. Because if you think about like White Light, White Heat, that album is forward thinking in the realm of like noise rock, which doesn't become prominent and never de- becomes prominent really. But when it did have even a little bit of pull was much, much, much later. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, Loaded is more grounded in what was coming that decade. Um, but again, I don't, I didn't love that album. Um, I'm glad, Jared, that you enjoyed it. It makes sense that you would enjoy it because it is it is more in the realm of something that you would enjoy. So it makes sense completely. Mm. Um, so on that note, was your favorite song on Loaded? I think so. What song was it? I will say the first song, Who Loves the Sun. That's what I'll say. It's a good song. It, it is a good song. Who loves the sun? Who loves the sun? Who cares that it makes plants grow? Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? Who loves the wind? Who cares that it makes breezes? Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? That chorus is so zombies. It's yeah, it's good. That's probably the least 70s song on that whole album. Yes. And for me, I think it's probably the best song in that whole album. It's really, really good. It, it is really good. And it's the one, I, when I, I'm kind of in your boat on this one, is that it's, that album, I remember liking it previously. And then this week, when I liked it, when I listened, when I liked it, when I listened to it, uh, it made me feel like, um, hey, this just reminds me of like, uh, some old seventies guy being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna listen to my music," and me and I was like, "I don't really know if I'm if I like this as much as I used to." It's still regarded; it's still one of the most popular albums, which is kind of interesting to think about because it's got big songs on it. But I used to I like Sweet Jane. I've listened to that song a lot, and then listening to it this week, I actually listened to it in a different way for the first time I ever had, and it seemed weirdly dated to me and i didn't like it at all because a lot of the rest of their music doesn't because i like the noise and that's something that you see a lot of people use now and, and psych really like the noise port part of psych rock which is kind of what they're hearkening to in some of that stuff you get a lot of that psych rock noise type thing in the early work for me translates well into what we hear today when people try to you know do a similar thing but that um it did it just kind of felt a little bit a little bit different to me and it is clear Listening to Transformer, for instance, listening to Lou Reed's solo work, it is clear that that's not where he wanted to go. Because right. Transformer is noisy, bud. It's still really a noisy album. So he still wanted to get kind of that like abrasive, weird, different type of stuff going into it. But all in all, I do still think it's a it's a pretty good album. Loaded is still a pretty good album. And Sweet Jane's still a huge song. But I do think that that, for me, that's probably the best song on that album. Is De- who loves the sun. Dax, which album kind of ended up standing out to you the most? I don't think you've mentioned the the album that kind of I think impacted you the most. I, when I was listening to it, expected it was going to be Velvet Underground, but it was. Was I right? You were right. I thought so. I don't like when you're right. Well, it makes sense. The sound of the album just kind of makes it sense. It does make sense. What yeah. I will say, honestly, I I think that because really, there's four important albums. I think each one of us probably like very closely resembles each one of these albums I think so. in a lot of ways. Like Tyler, which one was your favorite? White Light, White Heat makes sense. Yeah. Jared, what was your favorite album? Yeah, 
loaded. Which makes sense. Dax, which one was your favorite? Self-titled. And which one was my favorite? The first one, Underground, the one Underground Nico. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, like, literally each one of those albums kind of fits. And I think that's what's kind of cool about the Velvet Underground in a lot of ways is that they kind of have something for everyone mm-hmm. in their discography. Even Squeeze kind of fits to someone who just doesn't give a shit about music. Yeah, I guess. You know, like, if, <laughs> someone, you're when, just, if you don't care and you're not really, like, paying attention, you would you're love, like, I just want something yeah, to put on. You, Squeeze is great for that. You would love Squeeze if you need audible filler for your sad, miserable life until you slowly Ooh. die a, t- a terrible, painful, and sad and lonely death <laughs> and you realize that your existence has been utterly useless. What a dark, What a dark thought. I'll cut it out. <laughs> as long as it's not too dark uh go ahead though dax tell, tell us about that album a little bit for you so it was a little a little folky um this is without lou reed right no no this no. is without john kale this john, is the first without album john kale. yeah, yeah without this is the, doug ewell's first album with without the, with the uh, yeah uh actually just go ahead and play my favorite song because yeah. it's on this album it's uh pale blue eyes Sometimes I feel so happy Sometimes I feel so sad Sometimes I feel so happy But mostly you just make me mad Baby, you just make me mad More chill. For sure. It's more relaxed, which is... uh why i like it i like chill relaxed music i think those albums are really close for me like the velvet under both velvet underground albums the the two that the two self-titled ish yes that those two were very very close for me also really like white light white heat for sure um but those two were kind of closer for me yeah that's a good one. i like that song a lot and i told dax he was listening to that when i got here today and i said oh you like lou reed because that song actually kind of, for me, feels more like a Lou Reed song than a Velvet Underground song. I can see that, yeah. So, uh, I wonder, with John Cale stepping out, I know that Doug Yule wrote on this album, but, I, but I'm but i wondering if his influence was relatively minimal. Uh, compared, I wonder if Lou Reed kind of filled the space a little bit more with his with what he had. Well, I would think, because this is the first Doug Yule album, I would think that his influence wouldn't be so prominent. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like Early it, on. It, right, there's a cavity with John Cale gone, and who fills it? I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to know that Lou Reed filled it more than Doug Yule would fill it. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't think that a new guy would come in there like, can you tell us what you want to do? Right. We want you to take over here. Yeah. Like That he's doesn't just, really make he's sense. He's just there. Yeah, he's just kind of doing this yep. thing for the most part at that point. So That's also... Well, honestly, all of their albums, except for White Light, White Heat, which gets kind of left behind, uh, I think that, like, I see those all over the place. When you when you see people talk about Velvet Underground, those three albums are everywhere. You know, I listened to, I looked up a list earlier this week of the top Lou Reed albums everyone should own. The debut was on it as a must-have, and I believe as a, you should definitely at least listen to, was the other self-titled. Um, and maybe Loaded was on there as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Loaded was, but I can't remember. So those, those three get thrown around quite a bit as big albums that are pretty important. So that's like all of them, all of their albums, like you mentioned, hit someone somewhere. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about Lou Reed, just in general as a solo artist at this point? We can talk about Lou Reed. Can we talk about Lulu? We will. 
Okay, we'll oh, save we it. Why would you we start will. with that? Because yeah, it's the not... most important thing he's oh. ever done. Let's no, shut not... the You're hell dumb. up. You are, I agree, you, you are suck. done. Hey, hey. You're the worst. Hey, hey, hey. get out of here. Hey, Cody. Take your backpack shit and get out of here. What you said just now, it, it was stupid. That was stupid. You're not only wrong, but you're stupid, said Cat in the Hat. Oh. <laughs> hmm. All right. Go ahead. Lou Reed's cool. <laughs> <laughs> He, good, I, good I would probably have to say that out of all of the members of Velvet Underground, that he is probably the most influential as a whole member. He's yes. the most kind of oddball, weird type of guy sure. who went into a solo career that went into like some weird gl- – like because, for instance, so I stuck this live album on here for you guys if you want because it covers some Velvet Underground covers. Lee Reed covering Velvet Underground. And the, one of the most prominent songs on there is that intro with Sweet Jane, where it's there's like a whole jam and all of this stuff, and the things that he did during that jam. These are all it, those that it kind of like tells the style that he's kind of getting into. That was also the moment where during those those live performances in '73, where he began dressing up in this like crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? He began doing the little bit of it was kind of a cross dressing horror mixture type of thing he looked a little bit like and i wonder if it's if there's not some type of a uh, influence here he looked like tim curry and rocky horror to an extent in the facial stuff you know so uh that's like that's who he was he was kind of a weirdo interesting issues with drugs and willing to talk about them issues with uh gender as an ideology and like and this or that and willing to talk about it and show it kind of guy and it came out in his music through the stories that he told and it like obviously the interesting fun bits came out in the musical elements of it too because he played guitar and he liked to have some weird interesting stuff going on in there so we listened to transformer which is probably his most well-known for sure album for this week the song uh walk on the wild side is his only hit he's a one-hit wonder as a go. solo artist really walk on the wild side number uh, 16 i believe is what i just read huh uh it, i knew that song it was on my ipod uh, back in the day when i like to download music that um, was classic and and try to influence myself with things. I like that song. I think it's a fun song. Um, very interesting. Very um, experimental. Yeah. Not really what you would hear at the time. It's a radio song. Yeah, that's true. But it's kind of weird it became one. But that's kind of like the that's the juxtaposition I mentioned that happened in the Velvet Underground is as well. When you listen to it, it's kind of a it's kind of a flowy song that's kind of laid back and but the lyrical content is totally weird and bizarre so the fact that you're playing that on the radio like you're really playing it more for the music for someone to mostly not pay attention to yeah than you are for someone to actually pay attention to i mean that's kind of the that's kind of the sell of a lot of music as people are i mean like yeah not not to um not to talk about something completely well, that's the sell for radio but artists. it's like people like who didn't notice rage against the machines lyrics and then you're got right. really mad about their lyrics and it's like did you listen to anything yep. that was being said at all ever um it's kind of in the same realm where like radio music it just you kind of tune it out because many, it's the radio and you're driving you know how many top 20 hits do you think discuss blowjobs in enough. billboard's history not enough a lot because that song was talking about candy she never lost her head she was sucking on his ding even when she was she ne- giving head yep and then he just says, hey, babe, like each each verse ends with, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. That's a good song. It's, it's just interesting to think that they would do it, do the radio thing. 
he had lots. I mean, they had multiple songs kind of talking about some of those things. It was quite, quite interesting. Um, what? Oh, man. I had something about Andy's chest. I want to mention quickly, I put Berlin in there as well, which is an album where I found it funny because of if you listen to Good Band, Bad Band this week, if you want to, it's a sister uh, podcast. This podcast, do what you want to. Talk a little bit about some progressive rock over there, a little bit different. And this is Berlin is uh, called Lou Reed's Prague album. Mm. I don't know if any of you end up listening to any of that. I know I added it just a couple of days ago because I was doing a little bit of reading and they said that. And I was like, that might be interesting to throw in if someone wants to listen to a little bit of it. Because he kind of pushed his sound throughout his entire career to like different places. And that's one of the places he went to. Which makes sense because, I mean, he had 22 albums. Yep. And so, like, you know, he had a much longer career outside of the Velvet Underground than the Velvet Underground. Yes, he did. By quite a bit. And that's kind of, I never thought of it to be so. But, for instance, at one point I mentioned to someone that I liked Lou Reed. And they said, oh, do you like Solo Lou Reed more or Velvet Underground Lou Reed more? And I think at the time I said I like Solo Lou Reed more. But I don't think I can really make that distinction they're both pretty good, and I don't really think I could choose between them myself, but I didn't really think about people who thought about it that way, because I don't think that there's, I really don't think there's a separation. I think once Velvet Underground started being less Lou Reed than Lou Reed wanted it to be, in terms of what he was interested in, he Lou just Reed decided- Lou Reed kept doing Lou Reed. Yeah, he just kept doing Lou Reed as his own thing, so I think Velvet Underground was always part Lou, you know, a decent amount Lou Reed, and then when he didn't want, you know, when it- when it came to the point where people couldn't decide and make a decision and be like, let's do this, he's like, well, I'm going to do Lou Reed as Lou Reed then, and we'll see how it goes, yeah. bud. And so. I mean, a lot of ways, like, Transformer is just him continuing to kind of be forward-thinking. Yes. Like, that album still is doing things that other people weren't doing in the early 70s. So, like, you know, it's not even that he was just doing Lou Reed. He was continuing to do what everyone else was going to do eventually. Mm-hmm. Is that That's all Lou Reed did. He just basically made music, is what Lou Reed did. He he took what music was going to be, and he said, all right, do you guys want to know what we're doing in the future? Because it's all right here. Yeah. I'm going to keep we're doing it, do it, and then you guys are going to know what's coming next. Hmm. I like uh, that song he did with the Killers, Tranquilize, oh, yeah. Off Sawdust. Remember we talked uh-huh. about that? Uh-huh. Lou Reed was on that one, baby. Speaking of Lou Reed being on songs or albums with people, let's go ahead and jump on in, Dax. Uh, so he did a song with Kesha. Uh, did he? Did he do a song with Kesha? I don't know. I you just like said did. it. Yeah, you, you did no, I was just. just I was doing. A, I was doing a sidetrack. Metallica, Lulu, the album Lulu. Uh, Two thousand eleven album, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, a, a concept album based off of a play by a guy's name who I can't pronounce called Lulu. Uh, it is basically Metallica. I think improvising mostly. Just random bullshit over Lou Reed reciting just poetry, kind of. It's one of the worst things ever made. Uh, to uh, say in the words of David Bowie, Lou Reed's greatest work. Yep. Yeah, crazy. Could be. What could be? What could what prove could to be? What could be? It was never. He he was never recorded yeah. saying it. People have said that he said yeah. it. So the list I mentioned earlier about Lou Reed's essential albums that I checked out was from rolling stone i don't like to admit it because sometimes i don't like what they say they Mm. say dumb stuff occasionally because they're all they're kind of mainstream in a way that's dumb but they had the essential the must-have sections then they had a further listening section and lulu was listed on the further listening section (laughs) and i said wait a minute uh you know and they said that it was derided by many and they mentioned the bowie quote Mm -hmm. 
and that time will tell. For the him-like junior dad alone, it deserves a second look. That's what they said. They think it's worth, if you listen to it once, you go, I don't know. They say, you better listen to it again, bud, because it's so good. Let's, that- uh, why don't we listen to a little bit of The View, the the single that came yep. off that album. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, we'll play I have no morals, some think me cheap And someone who despises The normalcy of heartbreak The purity of love But I worship the young and just formed angel Who sits upon the pin of lust Everything else bores me I want to see your suicide I want to see you give it up Your life of reason If you look at that in terms of music, it's terrible. But if you think of it as like a weird performance art, it's not that bad. True. It's interesting. Ah, uh, it is interesting. I fully disagree with you. It. Uh, if we were looking at Squeeze versus Lulu, Squeeze is about as boring as it gets, and Lulu is about as bad as it gets. Mm. Performance, art, music, anything you want, it is grating. I think I like the idea of Lulu better than I like the idea of Squeeze, but uh-huh. I think that I enjoyed, I know I enjoyed more stuff from Squeeze because I like a few of the songs. Lulu, it is an hour and 27 minutes long. It's stupid. Very long. This reviewer uh, from something called a website called Grantland wrote, if the Red Hot Chili Peppers acoustically covered the 12 worst Primus songs for Starbucks, it would still be slightly better oh than this. Boy. I, I love that, that quote pretty so horrible. much. I love that. I love that really quote. Good. I love how he added the, that he added Starbucks just shows what a great writer he is. Absolutely. He really knows how to put it into cultural context. Yeah. Uh, it's not super great. It's not super great. I really, there's a couple of things I, I want to say table. about the Bowie, about the yes. Bowie quote. I don't. For a man that knew Lou Reed in the Lou Reed Reed era, Lou Reed Reed, I doubt that he would ever say that this was potentially Lou unlikely. Reed's greatest work. Well, how would anyone ever that. say that? Yeah. Also, well, he could have been sarcastic. That's what I was saying. The person who that's what said I'm saying didn't pick up exactly. Couldn't? Didn't you think that David Bowie could potentially be sarcastic? How do you think he could? I, there's no way. There's that, no way that would. Have, and the fact yeah. that people were quoting it like you should listen to it because I think Bowie said this once. Mm. Um, no. One thing that I will say about it, and I guess this just speaks to Lou Reed, uh, his success and his influence, is one of the people that reviewed it basically said, this will not hurt his legacy. No. And that's interesting that he can make something this polarizing. Some people say it's awful. Some people say it's good. Whatever. But the, the number of people that say it's awful, this is not necessarily a black eye on his career. And that shows the power of his career. It's true. more a pimple than a black eye. You know, like sure. it's not super noticeable and nobody really cares kind of thing. He was uh, inducted twice into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Once for his work with the Velvet Underground, Underground and then later for his solo work. Right. So that, I mean, that doesn't happen uh, very often with people. True. I look forward to when he's inducted for Lou Reed and Metallica. Yeah, we'll get there. The thing about it is, too, is that uh, it's when you, if someone says, uh, you should listen to Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, and you go look for Lou Reed. This isn't going to come up. So it's not, I mean, it's like a, no one's going to see it because it's like when you look for Lou Reed, this isn't there. 
Right. So unless you have to like actually look a little bit to get to that. I do like it as a part of, so a few months ago, uh, I found a video that was basically talking about uh, the idea of music that is so bad. It's good Uh, there. The movies like that exist, but you don't hear about it as much for music. Like if it's bad, it's bad. And it's hard to like something that's bad. Whereas like with movies, it's like, like people go, yeah, like it's can be, or they go like have watch parties for things like The Room or Birdemic or Troll, um, 2. Troll 2. Sharknado. Sharknado. Yeah. See, we have all these examples yeah. of movies. Everybody probably has something. Um, whereas uh, Food Fight, check out Food Fight. Food Fight. That's why. Sure. Oh, yeah. But you don't have as many examples. Be sure to check out the new movie Animal Crackers, everybody. It's on. <laughs> that one is pretty good. Though. It was okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It just had but the you same don't vibe. you don't have that with people that listen to music as much either. Like more people, I'd say the same amount of people that watch movies listen to music, and you could even argue more people listen to music, but they do it more um, in parts, Sorry. not just in parts, but uh, not as uh, strenuous. You know, like you listen on the radio or whatever. You don't. That's what I mean. You don't listen to albums. That's why I mean parts. You listen um, to songs. You don't. Really but like to a albums. lot of people watch movies or watch TV, but you don't have to like study it. You can just watch it and be like, oh, I like Jason Siegel. But you don't have to be like, did you did you read about how Jason Siegel? You know, like is this method? You know, like it, nobody cares. You know what the concept behind his who his produced him? Or, yeah. You know, whatever. But. You don't have that for Who bad music. Who was the sound music. engineer for that movie? You don't have as much with bad music. Um, but this is an example of that, of it being so bad it's good almost with the idea of that. And I, I found that to be pretty interesting. There was other people that were on that list. Um, the Shags, which we've talked about a little bit. Um, Love the Shags. I can't remember everybody else, but it, it's like a 10-minute video. Do you remember anybody else? Didn't David Bowie also like the Shags? I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I doubt someone it. Someone did. Someone very. Well, that, it can also speak to uh, sometimes things in in the moment. People think they're really not good, but they're not understood until later. Mm-hmm. And then they go back, and you're like, "This is much better than I thought." You know what you I mean? mean like things the become Velvet more underground. Yeah. Yes, and no. I don't think there are people who said the Velvet Underground are not good. They it's just, just that they didn't them. have exposure to it. But sometimes there are things that people are like, um, "This is not very good," and then you come back like five years later, and you're like. All right, here's an example. I don't think this is a good example, but I'm going to use it. Hmm. I did not like From Under the Cork Tree. Hmm. I thought it was stupid. I thought the fact that Fall Out Boy called themselves punk made me want to kick all of them in the nuts. Okay. okay. I it was upset about it. Their new music is so bad that now I look back and I go, that's some pretty good music on From Under the Cork Tree right there, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, And I have also looked back on it in, from different view of not having to hate them for not being punk enough and say that it's, that's pretty good stuff. You know what I mean? But except that this is on like a critical scale, a large scale, not just me scale. Yeah. But sometimes those things happen. I think that yeah. because of your idea of what punk is, that you couldn't kind of understand maybe what the idea of pop punk is. And I know like what pop, pop punk is. I know what pop punk is. Now I just don't do. want you to call yourself punk if you're they, not punk. I don't think that they were trying to say that. They at said the time. it. They not said like it punk on the album. Punk. They said, "Check out this great new punk band." Fallout Boy. And I said, yes. So, uh, anyways, Velvet Underground. Um, Since we're talking about uh, stuff that's bad, Uh um, I'll throw it to Dax. Dax, I think you have something you'd like to talk about still. 
You should give him more. He doesn't know what you're talking about. He never... Something that you really wanted to talk about involved with the Velvet Underground that you haven't talked about yet? Well, don't say it's bad because it's beautiful. How would I have ever guessed what you were talking about? Of course. So one of the greatest bands ever made is a cover band for the Velvet Underground. Uh, They're called the Pizza Underground. Uh, Go ahead and play some of their music. So this is Macaulay Culkin, uh, the, the the kid from Home Alone, and also he he does like bunny ears now. He does other things. He, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, that was his band, the Pizza Underground. All of their songs were either uh, Velvet Underground or Lou Reed, I believe. They also did some Lou Reed stuff. Uh, but all of the words changed to pizza stuff. Pizza adjacent music. Pizza adjacent music. He also made a video where he eats a slice of pizza, and it is a shot-for-shot remake of Andy Warhol eating a hamburger. No, oh, it's okay. insane how like right on cue it is. It's stupid. We found a, a an overlay where they put both of them like on top of each other, and it's just the same thing only pizza. They have a song called "Take a Bite of the Wild Slice." Oh my. Yeah, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's something. Uh, that last song that that they parodied on there <clears throat> uh femme fatale found the uh, cover found this a while back stuck it on there just today so y'all couldn't see it so take that at uh, literally while we were sitting down here uh it's a cover by aloe black Ooh. who is now more of a pop singer but in his earlier career was more of a soul r&b yeah. new modern kind of soul r&b pop and he covered on that uh a popular album of his entitled good things which has some larger hits on there i need a dollar is on there you may be aware That's of that song, song. in commercials yep uh is uh the cover of fim Tao. i think Ooh. it's actually a, quite a good cover myself i don't mm-hmm. care what you say about me so you should give her a play Just 
look into a false colored eye. She'll build you up just to put you there. What a man. Everybody knows she's a Uh-huh, I thought so myself when I first heard it's it. It's very I was like, different. It's very uh, like soul R and B. It's got kind of those that uh, really great guitar tone that's not heavy in it kind of thing, and it's got some of the organ. I I thought it was really a great cover when I first heard it. I was like, wow, I cannot believe if you were to tell me that man went on to make that song, I'm the man that doesn't have a whole lot in it. I'd be like, wow. I think that his later career is a little bit stained. Um, and that this song is a pretty shining uh, beacon of it, of that album being actually pretty decent. But I like the man. You don't like the man. I like the man, but I think that his later work's just not quite as good. It gets mm. a, it gets into like a the pop realm of what everyone else is doing. It kind of gets away from some of this like cool uh, soul R and B stuff that he did earlier. That yeah. and it just doesn't. It lacks the same type of quality. I think that maybe he tried to be more like John Legend than what he should have been. Yeah, That's I wouldn't disagree with him, but I think that that covers. I really think it's a super good that was cover. Very good. Yeah. I missed your cue to fade, by the way, because I was adding it to a playlist. Nice. That, that's 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 telling right there. Uh, since we're on it, though, Tyler, yeah, playing some music. You are our holdout. What is your favorite? All right. Underground song? I'm gonna go ahead. I think what I'm gonna choose for this song. I think we're gonna. Ha- I think we all have chosen songs off our respective albums. I think I'm gonna have to stick with it, actually. And I'm gonna choose. Here she comes now. I think it's a pretty good one. They start to explore guitar tones that sound a little more foreign as well, that I always found to be kind of interesting. It's not quite like when the Beatles added sitar, but it reminds me of that. It's kind of similar to uh, Venus and Furs. Yeah, that I, I almost chose that because the Very intro, I wouldn't mind playing the intro if you all are up for it because it's really got kind of a weird, interesting thing going it's on. It's got an odd tone for yes. sure. Weird sounds, man. Weird sounds indeed. That used to be my favorite um, song from that album, like the first time that I listened to it. And I, I know it took me a while to kind of get more into heroin. Um, but I really like the tones off of these. What? Covers. Yeah, I'm really into heroin. <laughs> into heroin. Oh, no. I'm really into heroin. Very into it. Yeah, the tones are super cool on that. On both of those albums, I really enjoy the yeah. tone, the tonal aspects that are not quite found later on. A little more, they're still found some in. The second self-titled, but by Loaded, they're not quite there anymore in the same capacity. So, Also, I think it's interesting to note, we're talking about you know, how people think there's, oh, it's one of the most influential bands. There is in Manchester, and I think it travels throughout the UK. So I might be wrong that it's only in Manchester, but there is uh, a festival called All Tomorrow's Parties. 
named after that song by Velvet Underground, that I I'm I brought this up once before because Named after Venus and Furs? No, named after All Tomorrow's Parties. Oh, okay. The song All Tomorrow's Parties. And or All Tomorrow's Pizzas. And <laughs> of course. It, I think that and I'm I couldn't guarantee, but I think that it's like often presented by a headlining artist. And uh, for instance, Deer Hunter did it one time. You okay. know, so it, it we it's got it doesn't have your it's not your normal festival of uh, super big headliners to get people to come out there. It's kind of like more of an indie alt, you know, get some d- interesting different people out here that it might be onto something kind of cool. Yeah. Situation. I know Ty Siegel played there I at like that him. festival at one point. Yeah. So it's got kind of cool people that like you can you can make some parallel, you know, to the Velvet Underground. And uh, yeah, I don't know if it's continuing. I know it was going on for a while. Of course, who knows what's continuing in the world we live in these days. But that's kind of cool. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we've been talking about The Velvet Underground, and next week we'll be talking about Frank Sinatra. Check out all of our social media bits, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, so have you. Check out our website, recordroundtable.com, and of course check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash recordroundtable. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Jackson's course of Jane is in her vest And me, I'm in a rock and roll band huh. Riding a studs back at Jim 